Well, tonight we uh, come to, I would say, a very rich, profound, and also practical message. It's regarding, again, the living of the one new man and needing uh, in these two aspects. The aspect of uh, the need of growth, of the growing, and also the need of uh, learning, growing and learning. In order for us to live uh, the one new man, there needs to be the proper growing and the proper learning. Uh, you cannot expect a, uh, a little babe, uh, a, young, uh, a young child, two years old, three years old, to uh, talk about living with this, with this little boy, right? Uh, they, they know how to play, but they don't know how to live. The living of the new man requires growing. And then also, in the, even in the process of growing, there needs to be uh, some learning. Uh, it's, uh, you may say you cannot just grow wildly, uh, uh, unrestrictedly. Even our growing needs to be according to some pattern. There should be some learning involved in our growing. So in Ephesians 4, which is uh, our main focus this afternoon, we see these two tremendous matters about the matter of growing and the matter of learning. And as you will see, these two matters are extremely deep, extremely profound. I do pray the Lord... May his spirit of reality to, would guide us into all these realities. And his, he would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation to apprehend these things. When we talk about the matter of growth or the growing, it is not the same as what we commonly understand as, grow, as to uh, a Christian desiring to grow, to grow in Christ, which is not wrong. But here in chapter 4 of Ephesians, Paul used a particular phrase, an expression. He said, we would grow up into him in all things. Not just merely growing up in Christ or growing up for Christ, or to grow up with Christ, but he says we need to grow up into Christ in all things. This is a very particular uh, expression. It's not the common uh, usage or the understanding of the matter of growth used by uh, Christians today. And even the matter of learning, not learning about Christ. Right? We don't come, you go to school to learn about mathematics, to learn about history, to learn about you know, the uh, uh, geography, and so forth. But you don't come here in Ephesians 4, Paul did not talk about to learn about Christ. He says to learn Christ. I'm not sure this is even English in the, in the sense of uh, how do you learn? Learn Gary, right? Learn I learned about Gary, we understand, or learned about his history and this and that, what he did and what. 
to learn Gary. What is our understanding? But this is exactly what Paul, what Paul said here. You did not so learn Christ. So this is a very these two are very particular matters covered here in Ephesians 4 in relation to the living out of the one new man. So <clears throat> even as we have come to this, uh, these two matters, we should not forget the background that we have been uh, talking about in these last few meetings and also uh, uh, presented by Paul in chapter 2, chapter 3, right? The bringing, the creation of the new man and also uh, the, uh, uh, our inner man having Christ making his home in our hearts. So it's under this kind of uh, uh, realization, Paul presents to us these two tremendous matters of growing and learning. And to grow, we need to grow up into a person. And we need to learn this person, not just to learn about him, learn of him, but to learn him. Okay, let's go on, uh, get into the outline. The first point says, for the corporate living of the one new man, we need to grow up into Christ in all things. A says to grow up into Christ is to have Christ increase in us in all things until we arrive at a full-grown man. The common uh, uh, notion of uh, Christian growth, or even you know, some, of, some of you prayed, Lord, grow in me. Um, and <clears throat> we desire to, to grow in Christ so that we will love him more, we will seek him more. Uh, so instead of... Uh, doing the worldly things more. Now I like to read the Bible more. I like to pray more. I like to, instead of going to the movies, going to the, to the, uh, uh, to the, to the uh, casinos, I like to go to the meetings. I like to, you know, which consider this is how, what you mean by, I want to grow in Christ. Now I'm doing more spiritual things. That, uh, that is our common understanding of what it means to grow in Christ. But... <clears throat> Paul's usage of this term, particularly this preposition of into, he is not talking about just our increase of uh, knowledge about Christ, so uh, increase of seeking toward Christ. He's talking about this particular process of growing up into another person. And this growing up will be applied in all things not just in the spiritual things. When you, to, not just in, uh, in uh, uh, the incre increase of knowledge of the Bible, of spiritual things, of praying and so forth, but in all things. All things in, imply everything in your daily life. The moment you get up, you co you're combing of your hair, you're dressing yourself, right? You're using of the cell phone, to uh, you know, talk to someone, text somebody, you know, everything. We every day we are involving with we're involved with so many things, all things. And Paul's Paul's burden here is he wants to see. Now we see that Christ created the new man on the cross, and this new man is still in the stage of a babe. This new man needs to grow, and how is this, this new man going? Can how can this 
new man in the, from the babyish stage to grow up to become full grown. This growth is not about our growth. It's not about our, the increase of our spiritual activities. It is actually the increase of Christ in us. The growth of this new man must be is equivalent to the increase of Christ, the measure of Christ, the content of Christ in this new man. So for this, Paul tells us we need to grow up into him, into Christ in all things. B says we all need to grow up into Christ in all things. That is in every single thing, whether big or small. That means <clears throat> in all our daily matters, daily affairs, that uh, how do you comb your hair? Right? He said, that has nothing to do with my growing Christ. <laughs> right? That's just, uh, you know, how to, that is my, my, my personal, uh, you know, my personal care of myself. Well, Christ as a person now, he is not only your life, to give you joy, give you strength and supply. He is now your person. Even how you style your hair, how you dress yourself, that matters to Him. So even in these matters, we, the Lord wants us to grow up into Him. And who is this Him? He is Christ. But not just the Savior Christ, but the head Christ, right? To grow up into him who is the head. Well, you look at our human body. We, you know, we were born just a uh, tiny little babe, you know, 18, maybe 18, 20 inches. And from that day onward, you begin to grow. But you're growing your, your, your head also grows, your arms grow, your legs grow, your body grows, right? Every, every day as you are, you are taking in the nourishment, you increase in size, right? You're growing, growing. But you don't, that, that growth, every part of your body grows, not independently, not just wildly. The arm just keep growing, 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 you know. Until six foot arm, you know, hanging here, you know, that is a monstrous growth. That is an ugly growth. That is not a growth that is commensurate to the body, to the measure of the body. So my ear only is this size. It's not going to be like this, you know. And that, you mean the ear was, I'm growing, I'm growing. But that is, that is not the growth within the measure of the body. That is not the growth into the head Christ. This very Christ that Paul talks about in Ephesians 4 is not just the Christ who died for us on the cross. He is the head of the body. So all of us, we are not just sinners saved by His grace. We are members of His body. We are members, parts of this new man that Paul has been talking about. But this, in, 
in order for this new man to have the living, there has to be the growth. But that growth has to be into this person, into the head. So I said, when the time after, since we have been bo- we were born, all our you know this little babe started growing, but every bit of growth is into this person, right? Into this person, the uh, everything, every part, every part's growth is within measure. So it's not too long, it's not too short. It's just, it's just right. It gives you, gives this person a proper presentation, a proper expression. Today, by God's mercy, our eyes are open that I'm not just here as a Christian seeking to grow in life, grow in Christ. I want to grow. I want to become so spiritual, so full of the knowledge of the Bible, so burning in love for Him, doing so many things for Christ, which is wonderful, which is honorable, but even in our so-called this kind of growth has to be measured, has to be growing up into this wonderful person, Christ, as the head. So we are not growing as independent, individual Christians, but we are growing as parts of the body, growing up into the head. There are still many things in which we have not grown up into Christ. In these things, we are not in Christ, but are outside of Christ. It's easy to find ourselves in Christ when we come to meetings like this, when we have a conference, we we are singing. uh, You know, we had such a wonderful singing earlier. You know, releasing, enjoying the Lord, praising the Lord. Yeah, it's, it's not hard to find ourselves in Christ. But is the moment we leave this hall, right? Or even before you leave this hall. After the meeting is over, you are there, you know, in the hallway, you know, uh, chit-chatting, talking with some, someone you haven't met for a long time, and you start talking about, oh, all this, why this happened, why that happened. Oh, I don't like that, what that brother talked about. Oh, I don't like that, uh, the terrible singing that they had. You were just in the meeting. We were just having a, you know, enjoyment time. The moment you step out, you started talking about all these things. At least in your, in your talking in that moment, that talking was not growing into Christ. The Lord wants us to grow up into Him in all things. In our conversation. In our greeting of, to one another in our uh, usage of cell phones, right? Which is, uh, I think, very uh, uh, intimate to us these days. I mean, we all carry that, that device, and we use it all the time. But if you're not careful, even you know, such, a, such a practical, necessary thing can distract us from Christ, right? We are not, but Christ wants us to grow up into Him even in how we use the cell phone, how you get on the internet, how you, you know, the, uh, 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 how you, the, the matter of your eating, right? What kind of things to eat? What kind of things you should not eat? In all the relationship, we are not talking about just uh, the spiritual things. Paul says, in all things. In, in Philippians, 
Paul even says that I want to be found in Christ. I want to be found in Christ. It's easy to be found in Christ when we are in the meetings, singing, praising the Lord. But it's not so easy to be found in Christ when we go back to our office, to our bedroom. You know, to do, to we just, uh, just in ourselves, we are losing our temper. We are just, uh, uh, you know, just in ourselves, thinking about this, thinking about that. Paul's yearning was that I want to be found in Christ. In everything, in my attitude, in my speaking to my spouse, in my uh, dealing with my children. Who is doing it? Yesterday we talked about, it's not about about what you do, it's about who is doing it. So we all have to confess, yes, we have have some growth in Christ, uh, some growth even into Christ in certain matters, but still in too, too many things, we still have not grown up into him, right? Uh, so, in order for Christ to increase in us, to bring about the practical living of this one new man, we need to grow up into Christ, allow Christ to come into all the areas of our living. Right? So, before we you know, go about to... Uh, uh, eat something or to uh, dress, some, you know, dress ourselves, you know, to uh, style ourselves in a very simple way. You just, oh, Lord Jesus, Amen. I love you. Amen. I give you the preeminence. Amen. How many minutes you spend before that mirror, you know, styling yourself, you know, brotherly something. Sometimes sisters, half an hour. You say, I have no time to read the Bible, but you have half an hour in front of the mirror. At least in these small things, we have not grown up into Christ in these things, right? And growing up into Christ in all things is for the practical existence of the universal one new man. The growth into Christ in verse 15, or I think it's uh, uh, verse point two, when we all grow up into Christ in all things, We all will be one in Christ. This is the universal one new man. Can you believe that the individual Christian growth actually may cause division, may cause one to be divided from another? I have seen. There are Christians who really love the Lord. They are are strong. They are zealous. They are full of the knowledge of the Bible. They know better than most others. But yet, that makes them proud. You don't know, you don't pray as much as I do. You don't preach the gospel as much as I do. You don't love the Lord as much as I do. His kind of so-called growth caused him to be apart from the fellow believers. That is exactly the opposite what Paul tries to, to, to stress here. Our growth is for the growth of the whole body. If our individual growth causes us to be separated, distanced from the other members 
We have to put question mark to that growth. Well, we know what cancer is. Cancer is a growth too, right? Cancer is just certain cells in our body decided to grow at its own rate. Totally unrelated, totally uncontrolled, unrestricted by the other parts of the body. It grows by itself. That kind of growth is not a healthy growth. That growth actually becomes a damage to the body. The growth mentioned in Ephesians 4 is a growth that results in the body that we grow up into Christ, who is the head. We grow up into him in all things. And as we all the members do that, spontaneously, there will be the oneness. Spontaneous, the oneness is there. There will not be any kind of belittling, despising, because oh, you are not as zealous, you are not as gifted, you are not as this and that. There's no comparison. We are all members, part of this new man, growing up into the unique head. Our growth is not growing up in myself or growing up in my Savior only. I'm growing up into the head, the unique head of the whole body. So that growth will not cause conflict. That, that, that kind of growth will not cause competition. But that growth, actually, the more we grow like this, the more we are brought into a oneness. Spontaneously. Look at my body. Look at a human body. In these 60-some years, my, my body has been growing, still growing. Right? Maybe not as obvious you know, as, uh, as I, well, I was a teenager, but my body is still growing, right? But in, in, the part, in, in the course of this growing, in the course of this growing, there's no competition. My arm is fighting with, the, with my leg and uh, my eyes are fighting with my nose. No. All the parts, as they all grow up into, head, into the head, all the parts are in harmony, are in oneness. This is quite enlightening. We don't want any kind of growth that cause conflict, that cause division, separation in the body, all the proper growth should cause the whole body to grow. So growing up, number three says, growing up into Christ in all things is for the practical existence of the universal one new man. The growth into Christ, in verse 15, equals the putting on of the new man in verse 24. Right? We read earlier that we need to put on the new man. We'll cover that tomorrow morning. We have to put on the new man. But that is the same as, as we grow up into a person. Right? We grow up into a person. And as we, do, as we do that, practically, it means that we put on the new man like a garment. To have the new man like a garment covering us, to uh, this new man that we put on will become our clothing, will become our expression. So, point five says, the full-grown man in verse 13 refers to the one new man in verse 24 who has become full-grown. Now see, Ephesians 4 speaks of the perfecting of the new man through the growth of life. 
The one new man created by Christ must be perfected in order to function. The growth by life and growth in life into Christ should result in some kind of function. In verse 16 of chapter 4 we read that, well, 15 says, we may grow up into him in all things who is the head Christ, out from whom all the body being joined together and being knit together through every joint of the rich supply and through the operation in the measure of each one part causes the growth of the body unto the building up of itself in love. So in life, we grow up into Christ, the head. In function, something comes out of the head, out from the head. So if we are a normal member of the body, of Christ's organic body, we grow up into this unique head. And then from the unique head, we receive supply. We receive even the, uh, uh, the instruction, the leading, how to function in the body. There will be a, a, an operation that is being carried out, right? We say that, uh, you know, our human body, I'm not a doctor, I mean, doctors should know better, you know, how our human body works. You know, every motion of our body is controlled by the head, by the central nervous system. It directs all the parts of our body, to, even to blink, of, to blink our eyes, you know, our, even the uh, tasting of the food. Everything is related to the central nervous system. And every, every part of the body grows into the head, Christ, and then out from Christ, out from the head comes direction. Direction to all the parts, I should grab this, I should walk this, walk here. There will be operation, there will be function that comes out from the head. So here it talks about the new man not only needs the growth, but also needs the perfecting in order to function. In Ephesians 2.15, we see the creation of the new man organically. In chapter 4, 13 to 16, we see the perfecting of the new man in relation to his function. The organically perfect one new man needs to be perfected through the growth of life in order to function in a proper way. A child, when he's born, he is organically perfect. But that child needs to grow, right? And then as in time he grows, he also is, went, goes to school, he learns, then he begins to, to do things. He begins, to, able to, he begins to, uh, to function, to operate in a proper way. Same thing. The new man has a function. We see from Genesis chapter 1, God needed the man has two functions, to express him and to represent him to defeat his enemy, Satan. There is this twofold function of the new man that God desires to gain. On the positive side, to express him, and then on the negative side, to exercise his authority to deal with his enemy. If the new man is, does not have the growth, is still babyish, 
it cannot have the proper adequate expression, and it cannot exercise any dominion to defeat Satan. In order for the new man to have this kind of function, the new man has to grow. And also, going through perfecting. The new man needs to be perfected in order to function according to God's desire to express him and to represent him. Little A says, the one new man can become perfect in relation to his function only through receiving the proper nourishment. This is one of the deepest concepts in the book of Ephesians. In the book of Ephesians, we are shown the vision of the church as the body of Christ, as the one new man, with many marvelous functions. But <clears throat> this body, this new man, can bring about such function, such operation, only by the growth in life, and that growth in life comes from nourishment, comes from a rich supply. There's a, you know, in our human body, there's all, there's constantly a supply there, right? This is an amazing thing. If we stay in the body, there is an inherent supply. You know, if you cut up, in my, cut up my arm and you place it over there in the back of the table back there, well, after I don't know how many hours, that arm will dry up will be, you know, taken over by, by germs and, 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 and uh, 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 all, all kinds of uh, problems. When my arm stays with my body, there is a nourishment that is inherent in the body. So for the, for the growth and the perfecting of the new man, we need to remain in the body, connected to the body, Never be separated from the body. The same arm, when it is connected to the body, it is under a nourishment, a rich nourishment. But it, when it is separated from the body, independent from the body, then it is subject to the, to the, uh, 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 you know, the, 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 the dryness and all kinds of uh, uh, diseases will attack the attack to, the, to that member. So this matter of the supply, it is crucial for us to, in order for us to live out, the, to live out uh, the, the new man, we need to be constantly supplied. Amen. I believe this weekend, even coming to having this conference, not only are we learning something in terms of the truth, in terms of the teaching, I believe through the ministry, you are being supplied, right? Some nourishment has been imparted into you to nourish you, to supply you, for you to grow a little bit more, for you to be perfected so that you can function as part of this new man. We need to fulfill our responsibility to perfect the one new man through nourishing and cherishing. Oh, this is, uh, you know, like, like mentioned here, that there is such a deep concept in the book of Ephesians. It's not only about the high vision of God's purpose with, with the church as the body, but there is this deep concept of the rich supply, right? Even Paul says, our Christ, he is the with the unsearchable riches of Christ. 
supplying, nourishing, and cherishing the body for his growth and for his perfecting. The more the one new man grows through receiving the proper nourishment, the more he will function normally. For the growth of the corporate new man, we need to experience the crucified, resurrected, ascended, and descending Christ so that the all-inclusive Christ is wrought into us to be our everything, then the organically perfect new man will become perfect functionally. I don't have the time, but if you read the, even chapter 4 of Ephesians again, you will see the very Christ revealed there is the incarnated Christ, the crucified, resurrected, ascended, and descending Christ. He's the Christ who had been processed, who had become available. Christ, as the embodiment of the triune God, has been processed in order to be made available to us, for us to enjoy Him, for us to partake of Him, to be supplied by Him, that we can grow and be perfected to function as the new man. Wonderful. Now, we come to this second section. Uh, this is a, a profound section concerning the learning, learning Christ. For the corporate living of the one new man, we need to learn Christ as the reality is in Jesus. In verse 20, Paul speaks of learning Christ. We didn't read the, the verses before, before verse 20. Let me read that to you in verse 17. This therefore I say and testify in the Lord that you no longer walk as the Gentiles also walk in the vanity of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance which is in them, because of the hardness of their heart, who being past feeling, ignoring their feeling, having given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness, or greediness. This is verse 19. Then verse 20 says, but you did not so learn Christ. Amen. So there's a contrast here. So in the previous three verses, we, we see that the Gentiles in the world, they live a certain way. They live a life of vanity and totally darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God, and there's an ignorance in them. So they, they live in the vanity of their mind, a life of vanity. They live, the, the people in the world, without knowing God, they live by, for themselves, in themselves, by themselves. Every human being on this earth, they strive, they struggle, right? They try to, try, they, they are... Uh, they have certain ambition, they try to attain something, they want to be rich, they want to be wealthy, they want to be successful, they want to be well-known. Everything centered around themselves. But as Solomon, King Solomon says, everything under the sun is vanity of vanity. There's nothing new under the sun. Everything is like the wind, like the shadow. But everyone in the, in the world who, does, who do not have God, is chasing the wind. They live a life of vanity. When someone live, live their life centering around himself, he lives a life of vanity. 
Everything is for himself. He worked to be successful, everything centering around himself. But there's a man who lived on this earth. He did not live a life for himself. He did not live a life centering around himself. He lived a life for God. He lived a life with God, in God. We saw a little bit yesterday. Jesus says, as the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. I came in the name of the Father. I speak the words of the Father. I seek the Father's glory. I do the Father's will. Everything that he did, every part of his existence, was not for himself, was for someone else, was for the one who sent him. He lived a life of reality. In the whole universe, only God is the reality. The triune God is the reality. Everything else other than God is vanity of vanities. Even Jesus himself says, right? I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. I am the truth. The truth is the word reality. That is aletheia. I am the truth. What is the truth? He is the truth. He does not have to explain. He does not have to show. He is. He is the truth. He is the reality. This table is not the reality. After a number of years, it's going to corrupt. It's going to, uh, to rot away. You and I, we are not realities. After a number of years, we will also fade away, pass away. Only God is the reality. When Jesus lived on the earth, he did not live anything for himself. He lived a life for the Father, in the Father, with the Father. He lived a life in as the reality. And here, in contrast to what I just read about how the Gentiles live in the vanity of their mind, then Paul says, but you did not so learn Christ. Even as the reality, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, as the reality is in Jesus. So there is such a life lived out by Jesus as a man on the earth, living a life of reality, that is a model, that is a pattern to which we have to learn. You have to learn this example, this uh, learn Christ. Number one says, Christ is not only life to us, but also an example. In his life on earth, the Lord Jesus sets up a pattern, a mode. So, like in uh, John 13, that is... Uh, the instance when Jesus washed the feet of the disciples. And after he did that, he told them, I did this in order to set up a model, a pattern that you would do the same thing. Jesus is not only our life, he is also our pattern. He is also our model to which we should learn, Right? Same thing in 1 Peter chapter 2, similarly talking about we, Christ suffered on our behalf, that he may be a model that we, that we should follow. Now we are not talking about 
imitation of Christ, just, you know, you know, Christians today ask about what would Jesus do, you know. Someone hit your face on the left, what would Jesus do at this moment? Turn your cheek to the other, you know, to the, for him to hit you on the other side, what would Jesus do? This is not what we mean by following the pattern to imitate what Jesus did. Then what do we mean? Let's, let's read on to see. Number two says, to be saved is to be put into Christ by God. So when we were saved, dear brothers and sisters, we did not just adopt a new philosophy or teaching and then try to follow that to keep that. No. When we believe into Christ, something happened. We have been transferred. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, It is of God that we are in Christ Jesus. We have been transferred into a per another person. We were in Adam in the fall. As a fallen man, we were in Adam. And now, in salvation, God transferred us out of Adam into another person. Out of Adam into Christ. So Paul also says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Today, we are not just sinners saved by His grace. We have been transferred into Christ. Into another person. So that in the New Testament, you know, there are the, there's this, uh, uh, this short phrase, in Christ, in Him, which is the most precious phrase in the whole New Testament. Amen. We are Christians, we are believers, because we are now in Christ. Amen. We are in a person. God put us there. It's not about our behavior. It's not about our improvement. It's not about correcting us, improving us. God put us into another person. Amen. Where you are matters. It's not about how, how you conduct yourself. It's about where are you. Are you still in Adam or are you in Christ? Now in his salvation, we have, been, we have received a great transfer. We've been transferred into a wonderful person. Now we are in Christ. Now number three says... By means of baptism, God put us into Christ, who is the pattern. To be baptized is to be placed into Christ as the mold. As the Lord instructed, everyone who believes into Him should be followed by baptism, which is not a ceremony, which is not a, a ritual to be added to the church, to the membership. No. Baptism is a reality, it's a testimony, declaring to the whole universe that from this point on, after I receive Christ into me, my old life is finished, my old life is terminated. As you are put into the water, you declare, I am finished, I am terminated. And now, when you arise from the water, you arise with Him in resurrection, as a new man as a new creation. This baptism is, you have uh, in, in the New Testament, it talks about baptism. We have been baptized into Christ. 
we have been baptized into the death of Christ. That water is a type typifying Christ as a tomb. You have been buried in him, buried in the death of Christ. And that baptism is a kind of a mold. You know, sisters, you bake uh, cakes. Many times you use a mold, right? Sometimes in the, mold, in the shape of a heart or in the shape of an animal, you know, and you pour the dough into that mold, and you put that thing into the, into the oven. After an hour, it comes out, you know, a cake in the shape of a heart, in the shape of a rabbit or whatever. And uh, so the dough, the dough learns the shape of the mold. When you and I were baptized into Christ, which, is, which signifies his death, which signifies also his resurrection, which signifies Christ himself, we have been put into this person who is a mold to us. I'd like to read to you these two verses in Romans chapter 6, which is very precious to me. In verses 4 and 5, Paul says, We have been buried, therefore, with him through baptism into his death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so also we might walk in newness of life. For if we have grown together with him, in the likeness of his death, indeed, we will also be in the likeness of his resurrection. When we were baptized into Christ, you have to realize we were put into this mode of Christ's death. The mode of Christ. And in that mode, we begin to learn Christ. Of course, the mode is... Uh, um, uh, you know, it, 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 it helps. I think that uh, uh, illustration helps, but it's not that perfect because it's just a kind of a physical static thing. It gives you a kind of a, uh, uh, a little, uh, you know, a, 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 a thing that has a boundary, has a, defines the, you know, a shape. And, and, but Christ is not like a fixed shape. Christ is a living person, right? He lived. He lived a, a certain life when he was on the earth. And that life became a pattern, became a mode. We were put into Christ a living mode, not a 12 by 12 square pan, but a living person as a living mode into which we have been put. You know, here in, uh, in this footnote, under the word groan in verse 5, Brother, we had this wonderful footnote. What does it mean by grown? Here we, are, we have grown together with him in, his, in the likeness of his death. And likewise also grown together with him in the likeness of his resurrection. This word grown, this denotes an organic union in which growth takes place. So that one takes the, partakes of the life and characteristic of the other. In the organic union with Christ, whatever Christ passed through has become our history. His death and his resurrection are now ours because we are in him and are organically joined to him. This is grafting. 
such a grafting, number one, discharges all our neg negative elements. Number two, resurrects our God-created faculties. Number three, uplifts our faculties. Number four, enriches our faculties. And number five, saturates our entire being to transform us. When we are put into this baptism, this baptismal, we are baptized into him. We, are, we were put into this mode, a living mode of Christ. And this is actually, we are organically joined to Christ, like in the grafting in, the, in, the, in agriculture. You have this process when there, there are two plants, one may be uh, of inferior quality, one is a better quality, and the farmers try to, 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 to bring them together to improve the quality. By, by using grafting, and they have a cut in, the, in, the, in, the, in, in one tree, and then they put, uh, also in the branch, have another cut, they put the two cuts together, and something begins to happen. Something from the tree started growing into the branch, and something from the branch also growing into the tree. Now, that branch, that branch being grafted in the tree, learns what is in the, in the tree. All the positive, healthy nutrients now grow, growing together. The two, the two components, the branch and the tree, they both grow together. This is a, this is a, in the, in the, in the natural, in the, in the natural life. There is such a, such, a, such a thing called grafting, helping us to understand in the spiritual realm, when we believe in Christ, we were put into Christ. We have been grafted into Him. Now when we were put into this baptismal water, we are identifying, we are declaring that we have been brought into an organic union with Christ. Although that water, that baptism, was just a figure, just a type, but it points to that reality. When one, a person believed into Christ, received Christ, he came into an organic union with Christ. And in that organic union, there is a mutual growth. The word here in Romans 6 is growing. We have grown together in the likeness of his death and also grown together with him in the likeness of his resurrection. So this mode into which we have been put is not a static, like a steel or glass pan, a finite you know, area. It's a, it's a living mode. It's a wonderful person of Christ who is not only our life, but he is also our model. He is also our pattern. Very rich. Number four says, by being placed into the mold, we have put off the old man and have put on the new man. We learn Christ according to the mold of the life of Jesus, which is reality. So here is not learning about Christ. Oh, you learn, you, you come to the church, come to the meetings, you learn about what Christ did, what Christ went through, all the teachings of, of Christ. No, Paul is talking about learning Christ just like the tree, the, two, the grafted trees, the branch learns all the characteristics of that tree, of the healthy tree. Now whatever that healthy tree is and has possessed and has passed through becomes also the possession 
and the history of that branch. So when we say we need to uh, uh, learn Christ, we are not trying to imitate by dressing like Christ, by asking what would Jesus do, try to imitate like a monkey, trying to imitate a person, a human being. That won't work. Now we have a life union with this Christ. We have we grown together with him. And in that growing process, we learn. We learn Christ. Not in an academic sense. The learning here is not the academic kind of learning. It's, a, it's, a, it's an intrinsic life learning. The tree, the branch, you're just learning all the characteristics. You know, anyway, this is, uh, I think, I hope this helps you, right? This illustration, I think, is wonderful. The, uh, so the, the learning, learning of Christ, learning Christ according to this mode of the life of Jesus, which is a life of reality, to learn Christ is to be put into Christ as the mode. It is to be molded into the pattern set up by him during his years on earth. Now, B, the expression the reality is in Jesus, refers to the actual condition of the life of Jesus as recorded in the four Gospels. The life of Jesus was a life of reality. In verses 17 and verse 21, we see a contrast between the vanity of the mind and the reality in Jesus. While all the people in the world, the Gentiles, unbelievers, they live a life of vanity according to the vanity of their mind with all their ambition, with all their vain thoughts. They live a life of vanity. But Jesus, he lived a life of reality, of truth. Reality is the shining of light. Light is the source, and reality is the expression. The Lord Jesus is the shining of God, who is light. In Hebrews 3, 1, 3, that this very Christ, the Son of God, He is the effulgence of God's glory. He is the shining forth of God. God is the light. God says, God is light, right? But this light shines as the, through the rays. We receive the light coming to us as rays. And Christ is the rays coming, reaching us, the shining of the light. As I said, dear saints, in the whole universe, only God is true. Only God is the reality. Everything else, no matter how real it seems to you right now, it is not the reality. It cannot stand the test of time the test of space, because these are all temporal things. These are all corruptible things. It is not the truth. It is not the reality. Only God himself, he is the reality. When Jesus, when he was on the earth, he told people, I am the truth. I am the reality. No human being, no leaders, no philosophers ever was daring to tell people he is the truth. Only Jesus did. Amen. 
He could say it because he is. He is the reality. He was not a madman who was just saying something not true. He is telling a lie. He is not a madman. He is not insane. He is more than sane. More than thoughtful. But he told people the truth. I am the reality. And the spirit also, he says, the spirit of reality. The spirit that we all receive into us, he is the reality. Everything else is vanity. So, you know, in, in John chapter 18, verse 37, when, Je when Jesus was standing before Pilate to be judged, Pilate asked him, are you the king? Jesus says, yes, you said I am the king. And for this, I was born. And for this, I came to the world, that I may testify to the truth. That means to testify to the reality. Surely the truth, the word truth or reality there is not referring to the teachings, the doctrines. He came to testify. He says, it is for this purpose I came to this earth. It's for this I was born to bear witness, to testify of the truth. Then Pilate asked, what is the truth? I think if you were there, you were asked too. What is the truth? What is this reality you're testifying about? Everything of this world is unreality. But Jesus says, I came. It's for this purpose I was born, to testify of this reality. And we know he's referring to the Father. God the Father is the reality. He came to testify, to express the Father. It's not to just tell people some doctrine, some teachings. He came to testify the Father. He was one with the Father. He speaks the Father. So Father's word, he expresses the Father. So he, he was born to testify of this truth. This is the aletheia, the reality that we're talking about here. So, because in every aspect of the Lord's living on the earth, there was the shining of light. His life was a life of reality, a life of the shining God himself. That life of reality was the expression of God. So here is a, a carpenter's son from Nazareth, whom no man respect. Everyone was looked down at him, despised him. Yet when he opened his mouth, when he read Isaiah concerning the Jubilee, he just read the scroll and he put down and he says, he put it down and says, today, this saying is being fulfilled in your midst. Concerning the Jubilee, all the listeners were shocked. Who is this man? Where did he go to school? Who trained him? Where, he, where did he learn the, the, uh, the, the public speech? What did he learn? How come his speaking is so different from all the scribes and Pharisees? Who is this one? He is the truth. 
He is the reality. When he spoke something gracious, something excellent, something shining came forth. Oh, dear brothers and sisters, I hope you will be impressed by this. I know this is not shallow. This is very deep, I realize. And I, I hope even the young people, many young people, you can do your best. You can, you can catch a little bit here and there. You understand eventually, someday. It's okay. But in the meantime, just receive the word, right? Christ is the reality. And he is the shining out of God. Now, see, says the living of the one new man should be exactly the same as the living of Jesus. The way that the Lord Jesus lived on earth is the way that the new man should live today. So, who, who, what, is the, what is the living of the one new man? The living of the one new man is just the living of Jesus, the Jesus living again on the earth today. Remember in the very first message, we talk about what is the one new man? The one new man is the one corporate God-man, comprised of many God-men. Every one of us is a God-man, having God's life within us. The divinity now mingle with our humanity. So every day we learn to live this God-man life as we are carrying out our human living, involving many practical details, complexities of our daily living. God is in there. He is involved in all the, all the complication, complicated livings of our life. He wants to be involved, not only involved in, your, in, your, in the spiritual side of your living, in the things that, you know, related to God, related to the spiritual things, but he wants to be involved in every aspect of our living. Jesus, this God-man life, is just Jesus living again on the earth, in humanities like us. 2,000 years ago, there was this first God-man who lived on the earth. And today, we are the many God-men. And even corporately, as a corporate God-man, the one new man, living as the reality was in Jesus when he lived as a man. Today, that reality, which is just the spirit now, right? The spirit is the reality, has entered into us making this divine reality, the revealed divine reality, our reality. To become man's genuineness, to become man's sincerity, to become man's veracity. So now the divine reality that once belonged to God has been revealed and expressed into man to become man's genuineness, man's reality. That's why, you know, later on, in, if you read the uh, second John or third John, the apostle John greeted uh, another believer. He says, this sister so-and-so, whom I love in truthfulness. This apostle, this, this brother, loved this member of the body, not just he is just a, uh, he is a, 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 you know fond of her, fond of her, beloved of her. He says, "I love, I love you. I love 
this, this believer in truthfulness. What is truthfulness there? The same word, aletheia, reality. He loved this believer in the divine reality. That divine reality, which was once belonged to God himself, has been revealed and imparted into us. Now, we have, by our learning Christ, that reality has become our reality. I admit we are still very short. By no means we are, you know, fully living exactly like Jesus. But every day we are learning as we call on his name, Lord Jesus. We learn to grow. We grow, grow up into him in all things. We take Christ as our person, allowing him to touch all the details of our living. And this reality is being imparted into us little by little. We are learning Christ. Every day we are learning Christ. Not just to learn about him, you know, by reading the Bible, but just by exercising our spirit, mingling with him. Now his love is becoming our love. His kindness becoming our kindness. His compassion becoming our compassion. We learn Christ through this organic union. So it is crucial. I mean, on the one hand, the truth here is very high, very deep. But the application actually is very simple. We simply call Lord Jesus. Amen. When you exercise your spirit, Lord Jesus, Amen. you are activating that, that, that graft, that organic union. And whatever he is flows into us. And we are learning him a little bit more. right? And that revealed reality now being imparted into us to become man's reality. He was one with God. Our, uh, number two, our standard of living must be according to the reality in Jesus. He was one with God, and he lived a life in which he did everything in God, with God, and for God. The human living of Jesus was according to the reality that is according to God himself, full of righteousness and full of holiness. In that reality, that is, that is the expression of that reality is Righteousness and holiness. Being right with God and man. And holiness is toward God in devoutness and godliness. These are the elements of that reality. We need to learn Christ and be taught in him to live a life of reality. Here I'd like to just... Uh, Introduce this verse to you in 1 John chapter 5, verse 20, which I also treasure very much, this verse, which says, in verse 19, the Apostle John says, We know that we are of God. The whole world lies in the evil one. In verse 20, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we might know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. The Son of God has come. He has given us an understanding so that we can know this one. Who is this one? He is the true. In the, Greek, in the original languages, 
He is the truth. He is that Alithia. He is that reality. We can, every one of us, the Son of God has come to give us this understanding that we can know this God who is the truth. Who is that reality? And we are in Him who is true. In His Son, Jesus Christ. And then He follows saying, This is the true God and eternal life. This is the reality that Paul talks about in Ephesians 4. This is the true God. This is eternal life. This is the, the one, the true in whom we have been, we can know him, we, have, we are even in him, in this one who is true. Okay, number four says, as a corporate person, the one new man should live a life of reality. As the reality is in Jesus, which is a life of expressing God. As we live according to the spirit of our mind, we, we will have the living of the corporate new man, a living that corresponds to the reality in Jesus. So the living of the one new man, again, is just Jesus living again on the earth in a corporate way through all his believers. Now point D, can we all read the last two points together? The church life is the daily walk of the corporate one new man. Amen. A walk that is absolutely new in nature and in manner. Amen. Amen. Since the one new man is according to God himself, with God's life and nature, the one new man must have the life that is divine. Such a life will be corporate, not individualistic. Amen. Saints, we are that corporate new man, living this corporate God-man life. And with this life, we want to each day grow up into him in all things, and also every day, as we call on Him, we activate that graft. We are learning Him, right? Even as the reality is in Jesus. So that now, as this new man being, is growing and being perfected, there will be such a, a corporate person on the earth today. It's a corporate Jesus. It's a corporate Christ living on the earth today. Jesus is not dead. Jesus is still living today. Amen. Not only living in the heaven, He is living on the earth. Amen. Through all the believers, not separately, not individually, but corporately as the one new man. Amen. Okay, let's, uh, let's still do this. Spend about four or five minutes with the ones next to you. Uh, fellowship with each other.